Hi, welcome to the Trauma Tapes, a podcast about overwhelming experiences and how to cope with the traces they leave on our lives. I'm Dr. MC McDonald, and I'm here with my sister, Elizabeth Meadows. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> As if we hadn't just been talking for like an hour. <laughs> okay. So last episode, we talked about the trauma bond. Um, there was a lot of uh, people resonated with that a lot, which I think like, you know, that's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast. And also we can revisit ideas again and again. So um, if you feel like that resonated with you and you want to write in about your own story, but you're hesitating because you feel like we just covered it right in anyway, um, email us at the trauma tapes at gmail.com and we will share your story. Okay. Okay. So this episode, uh, we're, I'm calling capital T and lowercase T trauma. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. Do you want to read the letter? Sure. Sure. So this letter this week comes from Stuck in the Dark. And Stuck in the Dark says, Dear Trauma Tapes, I feel like I should start by saying that I really wasn't sure if I should write in at all. So feel free to not use this if it doesn't fit. I am really struggling right now and I'm not sure what, if anything, can be done. I went through a divorce in 2018. That was upsetting, of course but it didn't involve anything traumatic, so to speak. It needed to happen and it finally did. We don't have kids together or share anything major like property that would require a bunch of back and forth negotiating. So I think that the process all in all was pretty easy. I think we would both say that we are better off now. I didn't jump back into the dating scene in 2019 because I was happily taking some time to really dig into my career in a way that I never did when I was married. I happened to land the absolute pie in the sky job of my dreams towards the end of the year and moved to a new city for it. I was thrilled and nervous, but I jumped into life in that new city in a way that I never have before. I started taking art classes, joined a gym, was making new friends, and finally feeling embedded in a community in a way that I've always wanted. The holiday season in 2019 felt so hopeful. I was alone, but I had the sense that my life was finally headed in the direction that it was supposed to. And then COVID happened. Without going into too much detail, the job that I have doesn't make a lot of sense when it's not in person. I'm insanely lucky to still have it, but to say that it's different virtually is a gross understatement. My gym closed, my art classes stopped, and all the new restaurants, coffee shops, and bars closed as well. While I had definitely made some new friends, I had only been in town for a few months, so I didn't end up being part of anyone's COVID bubble, since these were made up of much closer friends and family. This meant that I've spent almost the last, almost the entire year completely alone. I did all the things to pass time last year. I learned how to make sourdough bread, how to cook all sorts of things that I only made once and just for myself. I tried Zoom exercise classes, dates, comedy shows, and birthday parties. I took up sewing. I read. I went through several journals, which I've never done before. You would have thought that all of this would lead to all sorts of self-growth and reflection, 
but instead I started to see that my life has a pattern that really isn't a pattern at all. I think I started to realize that my life fundamentally doesn't really make any sense. I don't have a pattern of being with narcissists. I don't have abuse in my childhood to explain my somewhat introverted nature. It's not that I wanted to find any trauma or anything, but I reflected and reflected and I just didn't find any meaning at all, even in struggle. The thing is, if you looked at it objectively, I think my life looks like it should make sense. I've done all the things I was supposed to at all the right times. I had a normal childhood, went to college, got married, pursued a career, decided not to have kids, and I'm still okay with that. My career is intact, and although my marriage is not, I'm okay with the fact that my marriage is over. The only real theme that I could find was that I haven't ever fully felt like I belonged. I think I've always felt a little bit like I was standing on the outside and everyone else was on the inside. Nothing terrible happens to make me feel that way. And in fact, I think that being so used to not belonging has made this time when I'm in a city that is still new to me and on the periphery of a couple of friend groups a lot easier. I have a family and we are somewhat close, but they live in an entirely different state. So I didn't even spend the holidays with them. I actually think the holidays is what really broke me. The previous year I was grieving my marriage. So it's not that everything was all sunshine and roses, but there was so much hope for the future. Now I honestly feel nothing. And I'm not sure how feeling nothing can feel so bad, but it's the worst feeling I've ever had. There's also a layer of guilt on top of it. I have been lucky to live in a place where COVID was never really a big problem. I haven't lost anyone to it yet, and I've kept my job. But it's January, and I can't find any source of comfort whatsoever. This feels endless, and I'm not even sure what to make of my life when the pandemic finally does end. At 43, I feel much too old to be having this kind of crisis. I honestly can't imagine ever feeling the enthusiasm that I did when I started this new job and moved to this new city. It's almost like I have all the puzzle pieces together, but they still somehow don't make a picture. Is this just depression? Is it trauma? What am I missing and how can I possibly begin to move forward or even know what direction that is? Again, I'm not sure this really fits with your podcast. And so if it doesn't, feel free to skip it. It may sound dire, but I have every intention of continuing to move forward. If you have any advice or can shed any light on what it is that I'm feeling, it would be much appreciated. Thank you. Stuck in the dark. Oh. <laughs> the exact same face and the exact same sound. It's what heartbreaking. You, yeah, it is heartbreaking. What it's, are your like, it, initial thoughts? I, you know, I, I just, she's in pain. She, she yes, she yeah. is in pain and, um, it's, it's okay to be in pain. And I, 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 it hurts my heart that she feels like she has to qualify it. Yeah. I'm in pain, but I'm luckier than most I'm in pain, but I have all these things that, you know, not everyone else does. It's, it's okay to be in pain. It's okay to, yeah. to feel the feelings and be in the moment. Mm-hmm. And and you don't have to qualify that. Yeah. Your feelings are valid. Yeah, it's funny. I think like no, I don't think there was a single thing that she said that she didn't qualify that way. Right. Yeah. Right. 
which is which I understand. You know, I, right. I think we all kind of do that. I think I listened to someone's podcast. I think when the pandemic started, I think it was Brene Brown. And oh, I yeah. Can't remember the term that she used for it. Do you remember? It Something? wasn't it the episode that David Kessler was on, and he was. They were talking about normalizing grief. That this is grief. Is that what Probably. you mean? So, yeah, the gist of it was like you don't have to qualify everything. Right. You know, you know, you can. And she had a term for it. I can't remember, but yeah, it reminded me of that. I remember him saying, "Your biggest loss is your biggest loss." Yeah. Like it's not about it's not relevant that someone else has suffered more or less. It's just, that's not what we're talking about. It's not all, right. it's not all hierarchy that way, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay. I have lots to say. <laughs> I, I feel like she, you know, she's done everything right. Mm-hmm. She trained for the race. Mm-hmm. The gun went off. Yeah. Took off out of the gate. Yeah. She was hitting her stride. And someone said the race is canceled. Right, right. <laughs> or the race has been postponed. That's a great image. Yeah. And it's, it's um, you know, I certainly have felt that in the last year. I'm sure lots of yeah. people have felt that way in the oh, last yeah. year. So it, it's, it's relatable. Right. And it's coming up so much more now that we're in January again, because I think a lot of people, are, as you do, you reflect on last year in January, we all thought like, oh, 2020 is going to be a great year. Like we're going to do, you know, whatever. We had all these goals set up and like that's right. just the nature of how we do time. And, yeah. then, and then it was like, boom. Right. And then the rug got pulled out from right. all of us. Right. So I, I understand that part. And, um, but she was ready to take off. I know. She was taking off. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fascinated me like that, the, I instantly wanted to like, be like, you know, cause I think so much about stories and narrative and things like that. And so when, when COVID started happening, I instantly wanted to be like, we have to, we have to get these stories down, these stories of how, what it was like to live through this to just, just to kind of make a record of it, you know? And, but I've been um, really interested in the last couple of weeks with the fact that like, no one's telling stories about the unique ways they went into this situation. Mm. Cause it's not like everything was hunky dory for absolutely everyone <laughs> until 2020. Right. You know, lots of people were already struggling with the things that COVID has made worse with the relationship problems or with divorce or with the career shift or people right. in the middle of grad school. Like, you know, we yeah. were all in the middle of something, you know? Yeah, exactly. And no exactly. one's really been talking about that. I'm really glad she wrote in though. I, and I'm also glad that she like talked about her hesitation writing in because I think as you're pointing out, she's, she's touching at something really relevant, which is this like tendency that we have to create a hierarchy of like, this is real trauma and this is not real trauma. Right. Right. Like, and like, I think whenever you're describing a situation where the rug gets pulled out from under you, that's potentially traumatic, you know? Sure. There's this yeah. distinction in in the clinical world between capital T trauma and lowercase t trauma. And that came about, I think, as a way to actually legitimize people who were dealing with traumatic symptoms that didn't, that hadn't experienced like, you know, something we classically think of as trauma, like they didn't go to combat and they didn't have an assault or something like that. Um, 
so I think clinicians were trying to say, you know, there is also this other kind of trauma that's not, you know, necessarily what we classically think of, but is still legitimate and real. And yeah. that's important because clinically you need to kind of distinguish and, and make valid these experiences that other people don't see as valid. But I think the way that's gotten taken up and used societally is wrong because we create this hierarchy and we use it to say like, I have lowercase T trauma and you have uppercase T trauma. And so you have capital T trauma is more real. And then we just end up like creating this situation where some of these things are legitimate and some of them are not. So we're doing the opposite of what the distinction was created to do. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that's like part of the world that we're in right now. Right. That everyone's just right pointing the finger and, and trying to, oh, you yeah. know, that, that's kind of the collective. Right unconscious right now. So, totally. Yeah. And I think the the thing we have to be really careful, we talked about this a little bit last time with, with bringing accidentally bringing shame into the room, you know, like we, then you create two layers of suffering. So you have whatever it is you're dealing with, and then you have the added shame and judgment of you and or people who surround you saying, well, that's not legitimate because look at what's happening over here. Right. And the truth is like when, you know, there's a lot in this, in this letter that's individual. And then there's a lot that's collective. And I think we need to talk about collective trauma, which a lot of people don't really talk. We just assume that that means when we experience trauma collectively, but it's important to kind of break it down because um, we can think of it as there's two kinds of different umbrella categories of trauma. There's trauma that happens in my biography, like trauma that's unique to me. Mm. And then there's trauma that I was born into or exists kind of in the aftermath of. So this stuff is going to affect me individually, but also society around me. You know what I mean? Okay. <clears throat> so individual trauma, as we talked about last time, when we talked about the trauma bond, I think primarily affects our uh, attachments, the way that we attach to other people. Collective trauma affects our institutions um, and everything around us so that everything we do becomes an agreement that's rooted in trauma and is designed to adapt to trauma. And the super tricky thing with that is that we get so used to the trauma agreements that we normalize them and we stop seeing that it's a wound. Ah. So we like take the legitimacy away from it because we're like, well, that's just normal. And it's like, well, okay, yes, in the sense that lots of people are dealing with it. It's normal in that sense, like statistically, but it's it's a wound. You know what I mean? Right. right. Like COVID. Right. Like the experience of COVID. Right. And, and the tiny little, like I was thinking about um, everyone around here has been doing this thing. Like when you're on a hiking trail or when you're on a sidewalk that's narrow um, and you can't be six feet apart, people will immediately turn their backs to each other. And I, that, I find that so disturbing and upsetting because it's like, you know, part of, there's a bunch of research on the way that like, we are always relating to body language and facial expressions and stuff like that. And that's being deeply impacted by the situation in ways that are completely unprecedented, you know? And okay. well, like, what does it do to your mood and your psych, just your psychological makeup when every person you encounter in the course of a day turns their back to you? Literally. Right. Yeah. And like, if, if we talk about that, we could say like, you know, I could, I could call you and say like, this has just happened on the hiking trail and what, what a weird thing. And you could just say, oh, that's normal. That's just COVID. Right. But you're missing the fact that like, I'm disturbed 
And that's the relevant thing. Like it's disturbing to me and we can't normalize that so deeply because we, then we fall out of alignment with ourselves. So it's like we, we shape ourselves around the trauma and, and then we, we are out of alignment and that makes it possible to like be deeply disconnected with yourself in a way that then feels normal, which can then lead to, I think this feeling like your life doesn't make sense. Okay. So I think like a lot of, and this is a tricky thing, like, because, you know, if I ask you, this has been such a weird time, like to email someone that you haven't talked to in a while or like bump into somebody because people are like, oh, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm good. I'm great. You know, (laughs) (laughs) in that high pitched. Right. Like, yeah. And as this letter writer is saying, like two things are, are happening at once. One, she's in this moment where she's like at this like precipice, as you were saying, of like taking off, like all this stuff is happening for her and it's exciting and things are coming together and there's all this hope. And then it got, all of that got like dashed and paused and like so much so that it's like, so you, you know, you ask her how you're doing and she's probably going about her day-to-day life being like, oh, great. You know, I learned how to make sourdough bread this weekend, like blah, blah, blah. Um, But really underneath that, at the same time, you're like, I couldn't give a shit about sourdough. I want a hug. Right. I want to see my family. I want to get about the business of like my life, which I had just felt like I had just started. You know, I want to like continue meeting people and date or, you know, whatever she was interested in plugging into. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It can be so difficult to, to harness that energy to get going in the direction that you want to be going in. Right. Then to be derailed. Right. Is, is crushing. Right. Totally. And that's, that is 100% legitimate. And all of these losses are legitimate. There've been a couple of people talking about this during COVID, but I don't think enough of them. And here's the other thing. The research on collective trauma is so hopeful because it says, here's the way to heal. You embed yourself into community. You make tiny little connections with people every single day. You start taking that art class. You go to the gym, right? Like you, you make new friends, you start dating, you hug, you, you hold hands with people, you touch, like you get embedded because right. that gives you a sense of like groundedness and meaning when the world stops having that. And so every single thing you're reaching for that would help healing, that research would say, this is what you should do is not available to us. Yeah. Yeah. So then what do you do? Well, I think the first thing is to kind of like validate that that's not a small loss. Yeah. You know, like I remember thinking this really early on, like I was at a place in my life where I was going to yoga class every day and then I couldn't do that at all. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, oh God, I really miss that. Like there's this ache. Like I feel like this, I really, this is not okay. Like I got a lot from that, just being around other people. Yeah. Um, And I remember thinking instantly like, oh, that's dumb. Like people are dying, you know? And it's, it's true, right? Like instead of saying that's dumb and judgment and and filling it with judgment, just have the two things exist at the same time. Yes. People are dying and this is terrible. And you just lost a really important thing for you, which is this connection with the outside world every day, which is what helps us stay sane. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the little things. Like I had to go do an errand today and I th- parked next to a Starbucks and I thought, oh, I, you know, I'd mm-hmm. like a coffee. I'd like to run in for a coffee. But yeah. I, but then I said, no, you know, it, it's not, it's risky. You, right, you, know, right. you, sh- you shouldn't go in. And so it's like something that was just like a little treat during the day. Mm-hmm. 
now is loaded. Mm-hmm. So you can't feed yourself right that way. Right. You know, like the yoga classes, like the hugs, like the, right. Like that. And, and I think, it, you know, what you said about people turning their backs to you is so that nails it because it's, you, you don't realize what that does to your psyche. Right. You know, that, right. I mean, that's what I went back to work briefly, you know, um, during COVID and I was struck, I worked in a store by how close I used to get to, to people and how yeah. I couldn't do that anymore. I know, you know, not, not in a creepy, weird way, sure. but like, <laughs> you know, but you're helping someone with someone thing. And so you're, you know, you're leaning over something, looking at it. Mm-hmm. And then all, now you think, oh my goodness, like I can't be near this person. And I it's um, like the way that we move about the world is forever changed, I right. think. Right. And those little agree, like these are trauma agreements. These are things we've changed because we are experiencing a collective trauma, the scale of which is unprecedented. Right. That's that important. has no, like you, like you said, I've heard you say so many times, your definition is an experience that doesn't have a relational home. Right. This does not have a relational right. home. Right, right. We have never experienced anything like right. this. right. It's, and I was just listening to something on the radio where they were saying that everyone has been, um, you know, they watch like Google trends and stuff, like what people are searching for. And they were saying that people are reaching so much more since January again, for um, when have we been through something like this before? Like, tell oh, me about history. I want to okay. know more about the, you know, 1918 Spanish flu or whatever, you know, like, and it's like, there's not, there's not. Right. Right. Totally. Right. And we get tricked because it's like the the relational home happens in a couple ways that can happen like interpersonally. Um, And we have that in some sense because we're all going through it. But even that is fragmented and shattered because even though we're all going through it, that doesn't mean we're all having the same experience, which is, I think, at the heart of her letter here. Like, I'm not suffering in these great ways. And I know that people very close to me are. Yeah. You know, and that's super important. And then you also don't have any place to go to be related to people you know you can't have a relational home in any sense because you're in a new city you're alone you don't have you know friends you're not in anyone's bubble you can't even have like the casual you know conversation with like the barista at starbucks because it's you know it's just all truncated right right okay so you said we need to validate the feelings Yeah. And allow them like they're not, they did. These feelings don't mean anything is wrong with you. They mean there's, you're responding to an abnormal situation in the world. Right. Um, And I think the other thing that's so tricky about this is the, it's not just that it's been happening for a long time. It's that we don't know when it's going to end and what that's going to look like. So I think in the beginning, in the first couple months, people were talking about like, oh, this is such a great opportunity to reflect and to think about like the example that you just talked about, like, how are you feeding yourself during the day? Like, what are the things you enjoy and are you appreciating them? And you can plug back into that and be like, oh, now I have a new appreciation because I have a new perspective because I had this experience of not having access to those things, which is like that, that I'm like hesitant about that already, you know, because it feels like a little shaming and judgy. But then the other thing is that we, this has been going on for a whole year, like, and we don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. And what that looks like. 
Right. And so the, I don't, I want a word and I don't think there is one, but the extent of this is really, of course, that's going to take the wind out of your sails. You know, of course, that's going to make everything feel meaningless. I feel like in the letter, she's say, she's kind of trying to say there's something wrong with me because I feel that way. But I, do, I, I'm trying to say that I don't think that's true. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I think like connect, continue to connect however you can. So she mentioned like Zoom art, which is was Zoom things. Yeah. Cocktail parties and um, yeah. dating and oh, exercise classes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I know that that stuff is flat and it's not the same, but like keep doing it because this is the way that we are connecting and then see if you can find, I know this is, it's hard to give someone advice when they're so exhausted, right? Like right. just keep doing more stuff. But I think if you can find any way to connect that feels good and meaningful, don't judge it, just do it. If that means you're on Reddit boards talking about like, you know, uh, reality TV personalities, like go for it, lean into it because that's helping you feel connected to other people and embedded in a community. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, she says at one point, um, you would have thought that all of this would lead to all sorts of self growth and reflection. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about self growth and no, reflection. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It should be about, you know, taking care of yourself not in a, this is what you have to do to take care of yourself, but whatever that means, Yeah, you don't have to accomplish anything during right. this time. No, that's such a good point. Cause there's been such, that's so, that's such a, I don't usually like this word, but it's coming up a lot like that. It's, it's so toxic yeah, to take someone in their most stressed situation and like, be like, why aren't you doing anything? Why haven't you learned a language? Why haven't you exactly. done X, Y, or Z and taken up new hot, like you're surviving. That's something to, to, to like, you know, congratulate yourself for, you know, we're surviving. Exactly. And there's so much on there. So this is another piece of advice. Like it sounds like she's tapped into places where people are talking about self-growth a lot. Unplug. Right. Like that's okay. You don't have to be comparing your, your story with other people and talking about self-growth. This has been an opportunity because it's an opportunity to, to reflect where people are taking stock of their life, but that doesn't mean that everybody has to. And in the same way, I think the letter writer is actually doing a lot of that herself as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think she needs to celebrate everything she accomplished prior to this. Right. Right. She, she needs to, like, I know that you and I said to each other at one point, you know, we need to write down everything that we did that went well this past year. Yeah. You know, you need, and, and she, I, you know, in my past, I've, if I've needed to be reminded of something that I've done or that I need to feel better about, I've written a little note in my phone. Yep. And when I start to feel a little bit of, you know, self-doubt or sadness, I would refer to the, the list in my phone and say, yep. okay, just to kind of get me back on track. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she got out of a marriage that wasn't working, which is yep. not easy. That right. That's that's huge. Yeah. She found her dream pie in the sky job. That's mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. You know, she moved to a new city. Mm-hmm. She started to establish some really good routines and, mm-hmm. and habits and a new friend group. Those yeah. are all things to be enormously proud of. Uh, yeah. And, th- that's true. and you can't take that away. Right. You know, COVID doesn't erase all of that. Right. 
you know, it, it stopped it for a little while or some of it, but right. be proud of what you've done. You've done a lot. Right. And recognize that capacity in yourself because yeah. that capacity, like you just said, COVID's not going to take that away. Right. We don't know when you're going to be able to go back to having your life look like that. But whenever that is, you'll, you have the capacity to rebuild in this way that sounds completely effortless. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to just bravely move to a new city and bravely make all these new friends and start this new job. You know, a lot of people do just doing one of those things would really like, you know, that would be enough, which is fine too, you know, but you're yeah. right. And she does it with a great attitude. She, she, just, right. this is what I want. This is what I haven't had. This is what I'm going to go for. Right. Um, which, yeah, that you know. goes to this other point too, which is that your brain is always listening. It's really important that we pay attention to the story we're telling ourselves about ourselves and our yeah. life. Right. Yeah. Like there was, I don't know if she said it a bunch of times or it just hit really strong, but the, um, my life doesn't make sense. Yeah. Sounds like a repeating narrative. Your brain believes you. Your life is not good. If you keep telling yourself that story, you're not going to ever believe that your life is going to make sense. And I don't mean to minimize what you're saying, which is that your life doesn't look like you want it to. Right. That's real. But that doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Right. There's, um, I don't know if you've, if you, are you familiar with Byron Katie, the work? No. She has this, her whole thing is that, um, you don't have to believe your thoughts. Oh, I know. That's huge. <laughs> I just got goosebumps. <laughs> I was like in the shower, like when I first heard her on a podcast talking about that and I had to like sit down. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. And so she has you go through, I can pull them up really quickly. She has you go through four questions whenever you have a thought that you're ruminating about. Um, and it's really interesting and important practice um, to get into. Number So question number one is, is it true? Question number two, can you absolutely know it's true? Question number three, how do you react when you believe that thought? Oh. Question number four, what would you be without the thought? And then you can kind of turn the thought around as a thought experiment. Ah, I love so, that. I know, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's Byron Katie. It's called The Work. Is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? How do you react when you believe that thought? Who would you be without the thought? I want to put those four questions on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's really good. I can send you the link. Okay. I, I I love that it like it just gives you this opportunity to take this space from the thought and be like wait a second, like, what am I doing? What am I telling myself, right? Is right. is it true that your life doesn't make sense? Okay, maybe, right? That's question one. Maybe your life doesn't make sense. Number two, can you absolutely know that it's true? Like, do you, or have you heard all the stories in the land? Do you know that your story does not make sense? Yeah. And then it's, it's like, well, no, I can't absolutely know it's true. How do you react when you believe that thought? You make yourself small. You take the hope away. You throw it in the trash. You're like, oh, there's hope here. I'm going to take it away. And I'm not trying to blame the letter writer at all, but I think like the narrative does that yeah. to us, you know? And yeah. then who would you be without that thought? What if for 24 hours you could just exercise like the thought experiment of, okay, my life does make sense. My life does make sense. All these things. I mean, it doesn't, I don't hear any nonsense there. <laughs> Do you no, know what I mean? Like, no, her her life sounds pretty good, actually. <laughs> like, right, you know, like it, pretty fantastic. You know, not that she's not in pain; she is, but 
Uh, you right. Know. Yeah. And, and what is, yeah. What, what does making say? sense mean? Right. Like what is, right. you know, maybe this wasn't the, where you thought you would be mm -hmm. or, you know, I, I've done that so many times in my own life, yeah. but you give it a little time, you give it a little space and it, it actually winds up making perfect sense. Yeah. And she signed it stuck. And I think that's a perfect word, right? Like stuck in the dark, you're stuck. Because, and, and part of the reason is because you don't see that there are other possibilities there. Right. But one exercise you can also do is find, find people who live really, and you can do this like in the media, they don't have to be people that you know, but who live really kind of like wacky seeming lives and are totally okay with it. You know, find people in your community or think about teachers you've known who are eccentric, right? Like we, we, we don't say those people's lives don't make sense. And again, I'm not saying this person's eccentric, but there are a lot of ways to live a life. So if you feel like yours isn't making sense, it's, it's possible that you're just out of alignment with your, you, you've got the story in the past that you were like, okay, here's where I'm going to go. And then that ended. Right. Yeah. Um, and then now you have this new thing. Here's where I'm going to go, but you haven't thought about that yet. That can feel really meaningless, but you can make it meaningful. You know what I mean? Right. Right. It's just a different story. It's different from the story that you thought. Right. And what, what else have. is, what else is out there? What, okay. So, so you're not going to be 43 and married to that same person with kids. Okay. There's grief in that. And there's, I don't mean to minimize it, but if you can accept that, then you can turn toward, you know, there's a lot of different possible ways you could move, you know? Yeah. It could be exciting. Right. Totally. If you let go of that. Totally. Which it brings me to this other thing, which is that, um, and I, it's, it's interesting because there've been these, like, it's been really interesting seeing clients through this whole year because there are these waves of things that we seem to go through collectively without talking about them with each other. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there have been weeks where people were really irritated and then weeks where people were, um, feeling really okay and like hopeful and good and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then weeks where people are feeling all sorts of other things. And the thing that I've seen this last couple of weeks is this real serious struggle with meaninglessness. Like, and I think it's just because of all of the things that are happening all at once, we're talking about climate change and there's political unrest. And then there's the, the pandemic and there's all this stuff going on at the same time. Um, we, we start to feel really haunted by this question of like, what if there's no meaning, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, Sadie's sorry, mad. Sadie's barking. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, protects us from delivery people. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, so there, there's this idea that like, and, and I think our, our instinct is to turn, I mean, this is funny because like this, the underlying theme accidentally of this episode has been like turning your back. But as soon as we feel like we, we, we have the idea of meaninglessness, like we want to like turn away from it. Like that's dark. We don't want to talk about that. You know, we, we want to turn away. But I think if we can like just kind of stand there with it, we can see that as the existentialists believe it can be true that there might not be any inherent meaning in the world, but that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning. Okay. Because if there's no inherent meaning in the world, that doesn't mean there's no meaning full stop. It just means we have to create it. Mm. And so if okay. we can take that position and instead of be like, okay, well, I'm stuck in the dark. Well, okay. So you're in the dark. So what's your light source going to be? Right. 
how can you create some meaning for yourself in this time and then in the world? Do you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. How do you break that down so it's not overwhelming? Well, that's a good question. I think accepting that it's just kind of where we are and that is is a good way to start where it's just like, okay, you know, um, and I'm not saying you have to like abandon religious beliefs or anything like that. Cause I think you can still, it could be a very real thing that we don't get access to whatever the meaning of life is while we're alive. Right. And you can believe anything else, but it seems like anecdotally true that people don't get an, a post-it note in the email that says, you know, here's the meaning of life. Right. <laughs> we don't get access to that. No. So I think that kind of combats the, the, the overwhelm of like all of your beliefs, you know, crumbling around you. Um, but if you can think about it in terms of like, okay, so here I am in the darkness and you get through, I'm imagining like when the power goes out, you know, and you're like, okay, now it's dark. Oh shit. What am I going to do? And you have that couple minutes of, um, paralyzed, like, oh shit, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, the, you know, the refrigerators. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to grab a lamp. Okay. Which lamp am I going to get? And then I'm going to, you know, light some candles and then whatever, you know, it can be very small. You can create meaning in really small ways for yourself in your life and for other people. And then that can be the thing that, you know, starts to, um, ground your life. Oh, I love that. Do there's this research on, um, on happiness where they talk about domains of meaning. And the idea is that, so, you know, because researchers can't ever let anything lie, <laughs> they <laughs> wanted to figure out what, what do we mean when we say we're happy? Like when people report that they're happy, what do their lives actually look like? And what does happiness mean? Cause then that means we can recreate it and combat the kind of like darkness that the letter writer is dealing with. And so they figured out that most of us have like two or three domains of meaning in our life, meaning a domain of meaning is like a space in your life where you put in effort and you feel like you get something back. Okay. Um, and it, it feels like a, there's a dynamic thing there where you, it makes you kind of feel alive, even if it's like hard work, you know what I mean? Most of us have two or three of those. So you think of like, you have your job, you have your primary relationship, and then you have like one extra thing. Okay. Um, the research showed that we should have about 12 or 13 different domains of meaning in order to have real stability Oh wow! and happiness. Because if you think about it, like the, the, when you're feeling this dark part of a lot of the times, what people talk about is feeling like they're floating or they're lost or their life has no meaning. There's no story. There's no structure around them. If you have 12 or 13 areas in your life where you're actively contributing and getting something back and finding some meaning, you're plugged in. Oh, you're grounded. You're ground exactly. You're grounded. You're stable. You're and then if one of those is suffering because of life circumstances or whatever, let's say you're having trouble in your primary relationship, or you go through as a letter writer did, go through a divorce, you still have eleven other things. Yeah, that are sustaining you and making you feel like you you're on you're on the earth. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fascinating. And those domains of meaning can be really small. Again, like it doesn't have to be this like grand, I'm going to go find myself or I'm going to, you know, reflect and uh, do all the self self work. It can be like Reddit boards. It can be TV shows. It can be hobbies that you're into. It can be things that you find really funny. Like, 
The right. point is that you're kind of feeding yourself by connecting in with those things and that will create a sense of meaning, you know? Okay. I love that. Yeah. Okay. And then the last thing, <laughs> I had too much coffee. I feel like I'm like, blah, 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 is that um, it's okay if the arc of your story doesn't look like a singular arc. You know what I mean? Like, I think because of all of the stuff that we take in, I'm thinking of like celebrities' lives that are very like sparkly and singular, and then also like media and movies and stuff like that. We think that we're on this singular journey Mm -hmm. and that all the pieces of our life have to, I mean, she talked, I think, about puzzle pieces, Mm -hmm. that they have to like completely align. And I think we can think about it differently. It can be that you have like, episodes, right? Like you have uh, a time in your life that is coherent over here. Right. And that isn't super connected to the life you're living now. You know what I mean? Right. It's like a different show. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You're just the main character. Right. You change the channel. It's a spinoff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Right. And spinoff with just you though. Right. Yeah. You like left. The, I'm trying to think of an example of this where you like someone. I know there's examples where there was a spinoff based on one character. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, the only <laughs> I can't, the only one I could think of is Joni loves Chachi, but <laughs> that was like a hundred years ago. <laughs> that wasn't a hundred years ago. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh God! I was talking about Laverne and Shirley the other day, and TV used to be so different. I know. I know. <laughs> But okay, so to recap, validate, allow, continue doing what you're doing. You're doing a good job. Connect however you can. Um, You don't have to believe your thoughts. And try to carve out space to create meaning without judgment of like, this needs to be connected to this other part of my story, right? Like, it's okay if it doesn't. Right. Right. Can you also just, t- this is a whole different like thread. I'm sorry. No, but, that's like, okay. It makes me think of um, DBT therapy, how you can yeah. have those yep. two. Th- yeah. Can you just like define that just for a second? That might be helpful. No, that totally. That's, I'm glad you said that. The, um, so dialectical behavioral therapy is a modality that's based in philosophy um, and pr- specifically, and I won't talk too much philosophy, so don't turn it off. <laughs> turn it <laughs> off. Um Hegel's philosophy, um, where you have a thesis and antithesis and you bring them together and you get something new called synthesis. And so that's, that's all we need to know from philosophy. We bring that into uh, a psychological, um, instrument when we learn how to hold two opposing thoughts at the same time without conflict. And so um, this therapy is used and it's really effective for lots of different things, but I think it's also something that we should all learn how to use because it just means that we'll be nicer to ourselves. Right. Um, it can be true that um, I, I always call this like the both and like, yes, this thing is true. And this other thing is also true. I'm making all these hand gestures. So a, a lot of times I see in clients when they're dealing with stuff like with their childhood and their parents failing them or abusing them, it can be true that your parents did the best they could and you didn't get what you need. Right. Right. It's not one of those things doesn't have to like win. Right. 
they can both exist at the same time. So it can be true that your life doesn't feel like it makes sense and that it does make sense. Right. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. I just, I love that idea because it it does, it allows you to be kinder to yourself. Right. And and not try and it's not a battle. Right. Yeah. Right. And this, and it, I think like w- whenever we find ourselves stuck in black and white thinking, it's probably a sign that we need more nuance. Oh, you know? Yeah. Like it's probably not this or that. It's probably not just that it's either capital T trauma or it's not real. Right. <laughs> like right. Maybe there's right. a whole bunch of stuff in between that we need nuance to explain. Right. Right. Well, stuck in the dark. I hope that was. Yeah. A yeah, I want to like hug her. <laughs> I know, I know. We all need to hug each other at some I know. point. Oh my god! Sooner hugs. rather than later, I hope. Yep. Okay, tiny little joy. Okay. <laughs> Do you have one? Let me just explain again, just because we're we we've only done this one time. But um, when we connect with tiny little joys, um, it's not just a happy way to end when we're talking about sadness. It's a way to connect with the part of our brain that is responsible for connectivity and joy and safety. And so if you can find little tiny little joys in your life, no matter what you're going through, you are countering the part of your brain that's responsible for being afraid and hypervigilant and panicked, essentially. So it's a good practice. I have one. Do you have one? I do. You want me to go or you want to go? You go first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Mine is, um, it's interesting we were talking about television shows because um, I have been watching, you know, Netflix, like the whole rest of the world and yeah. <laughs> feel like I've watched everything that's out there and, um, you know, some good, some not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recently, this is not the joy, scared the bejesus out of myself oh, <laughs> by no. watching the night stalker. Well, I wanted to Netflix. watch that. Don't watch it. It is okay. terrifying. I couldn't sleep. I, I, I will never forget that man's face. Oh, I mean, no. it was, terrifying and I anyone who survived knew someone was related to a victim or lived in California in 1985 I am so sorry that you had to go through that because it is just horrifying I don't even know the story it's it's just it's a devastating story Mm -hmm. and the Netflix um it it was I I couldn't sleep I couldn't sleep and I I couldn't believe I did it to myself but you know whatever. So I was looking for um, something to counteract that. And I'm a little late to the game here, but I found Cobra Kai, which is, I don't know what that is. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) It's it's the continuation of the karate kid. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) I was just talking about Lou Diamond Phillips literally like two days ago. That's so funny. It's so it's the, it's the story of the karate kid picked up, you know, 30 something years later because I think that came out in 1984 and it has three seasons right now I think it started on YouTube but now it's on Netflix and it's Daniel LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence and where they are now in their 50s and you know the lives they've led and the decisions they've made and it is I feel like it's just been the perfect thing for me right now because oh, it allows, you know, I was 14 when the karate kid came out. So to see how these people are now, you know, my age, a little bit older than me. And, it, but, and it also brings you back to that time in your life. Yeah. You know? 
So it's that that's my that's my tiny little joy. That nostalgia. You know what else yeah. you should watch for nostalgia? Have you seen Stranger Things? Oh yeah, the same same feeling. They did same the 80s feeling. like I don't know where they found those people that look so much like the 80s like I, I know. I know. And it's so funny to see like Johnny Lawrence was the blonde guy, the bad guy and the karate kid. Yeah. And he's so, you know, it's, it's current day and he has, he's like, has not kept up with technology at all. So like watched an episode last night and he has a smartphone and he keeps calling it the smartphone (laughs) (laughs) and someone left a a message. So he played his, they played the recording and he said, this is my smartphone's answering machine. (laughs) 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 It was Lou Diamond Phillips karate kid. No, no, it was Ralph Macchio. Oh, I'm, did the I'm kick. thinking. Remember what? the kick? Would the kick? Yeah, when yeah, he yeah. Was like up, uh, yeah. The crane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, who? Why am I thinking of him? Oh, I'm thinking of um, La Bamba. La Bamba. <laughs> <laughs> same like era, same time. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Okay, Cobra so, Kai. We'll have to watch that. Yep. Escaping is so important right now. And it's like, it's, it's kind of like old television and that there's like, it's only half an hour yep. and it's like a story, yep. you know, and a lesson, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. whereas most, most of the other like reality television and, you know, I, it, it's just, it's nice to get back to that. Totally. It's, yeah. it's funny. Like I've been thinking a lot about TV and how TV used to be so different. And I know that like our parents' generation was really worried about us and TV. Yeah. But we were learning, like, you know, and we were exposed to, you know, I was thinking about watching like Taxi and like, um, which took place, I think, in the Bronx, right? So it was like you have, you could live in suburban wherever, and but then you knew a little bit of what it was like to be living in the Bronx, you know, and then like um, Laverne and Shirley and just all these weird, like, little shows that were a different slice of life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they were like a little story. Like, right. you know, there was some conflict and they resolved the conflict right. and, you know, they oh, learned from no. it or they didn't learn from it. It right. wasn't, it, it kind of was a beginning, a middle and an end. Right. Maybe that's what's so appealing now. Instead yeah. Of the, like, yeah. Anyway, Cobra Kai, highly recommended. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Check it out. I'm not going to watch the, the Night Stalker though. Don't please don't. Please okay. don't. It's fine. <laughs> I'm so curious, but I'll stop asking questions. Okay. Mine was, um, it's actually funny because I was just thinking, but I think both of us, like, I didn't do this on purpose, but this is going to relate. It's going to sound like I did. Because my tiny little joy was that I went on a a hike this morning and it was just like a short one, not a big deal. But um, I I went sort of a different way than I usually do because I just, because of circumstances. And there was this, I noticed this little sign that I don't usually pay attention to. And I had this realization that I wrote in my journal, like on New Year's two years ago, that I wanted to walk in this particular area. And I have, I wrote it in my journal as like my little goals. This is what I want my daily hike to be. And I wrote this, I won't say what it is. Cause that's, you shouldn't tell everyone on the internet where you are all the time. But like, <laughs> I wrote this specific thing. You and when I was hiking this morning, I kind of like just, I, I mean, which I've been doing all the time. I just, I didn't know, I didn't put it together. You know what I mean? Wow. But I had this moment of like standing there and seeing the sign and being like, wait a second. Like I, without knowing anything about what that meant, I wrote that in my journal two whole years ago. And now this is what I'm doing. 
you manifested it. I did, which is so weird. Like, it, and it was, it, it was such a bumpy road. Like this was not like a, a clean, like, oh, I'd like to go do this. And then I just <laughs> did it. It was like a complete shit show in lots of ways. But, <laughs> um, but it was just that I had such a profound feeling of like, really simple, like peace, you know, like, that's not nice. everything makes sense. Not everything is okay right now. And also right. like, what a cool feeling to feel this morning, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. It was, it was nice. And then I learned the important lesson that you have to pay attention to the fact that whatever you climb up, you have to also climb down. <laughs> and the climbing down could be harder. It can be. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. <laughs> but yeah, I've learned that lesson more than once, but apparently I need to. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Ta-da. Okay. Well, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you, letter writer. And again, like, you know, keep us posted. Um, if you want to write in and have us talk about your story, um, email us at the trauma tapes at gmail.com and we will, we will share. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.